I'm Eric Miller, and you're listening to the Sound of the Loon podcast. afternoon or evening depending on when this finds you welcome to the sound of the loons podcast i'm your host steve mcpherson and here with me of course is the head of the department of redundancy department cal williams mr williams what is your favorite monty python sketch oh wow i presume you're for, you're you are i, I feel like as a, as a british man of your age you should you should you should be a monty python fan uh, yeah um oh wow there's there's just there's a lot. There's a lot. Wow. <laughs> wow, I have stunned him. I genuinely don't think I can... He's like a Norwegian blue I, parrot. There's, He's been stunned. Um, yeah, I I can't answer that, Steve. Okay. I, I'm, I'm sorry, I know that's... I'm, Film? I'm, holy Gra- Are you a Holy Grail holy guy? Grail, Are yep, you a Life yep. of Brian guy? Or holy Grail. Holy awesome. Grail, yes. yes. Yeah. But in terms of like individual scene and sketch, that's, yeah. that's, yeah, I can't, that's, wow. So I, uh, I had introduced my, my oldest daughter to, um, Abbott and Costello a while ago okay. and who's on first, which is a terrific bit. Mm. And so I was looking for other audio comedy, um, and trying to shy away from anything too objectionable, which there's some Monty Python stuff. That's, that's a little blue. Um, but, uh, I hit upon the argument sketch where, um, the guy wants to ha- pay for an argument and it has some of that, uh, who's on first quality of the sort of banter back and forth. If he says, mm. you know, I've, I- I've told you once he's no, you haven't. Yes, I have. No, I haven't. <laughs> No, you didn't. Yes, you did. And they go back and forth. And it's like, this is not, this is not an argument. Yes, it is. <laughs> like, and, and it's it's so much fun. So I really, Monty Python was one of those things that I grew up on uh, as, an, as a confirmed dork. I, I just thought it was terrific. Uh, the Holy Grail uh, is obviously a classic. Um, the argument sketch is one of my favorites. The, parrot, the dead parrot sketch. Um, the... What was the other one that I was thinking of? That I, the election night special is one of my favorites with the yep. the sensible party and the silly party and uh, the silly candidate who's Tarquin, Fim Tim, Lim Bim, <laughs> Lim Bim, Bim Bim. So the parrot one. Only biscuit boxed up. Yeah, huh. okay. The parrot one, not that, that. The cheese shop. Cheese shop. It's just that, <laughs> uh, I mean, there's so many, isn't there? My goodness, I can't even, I can't even think. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's, Arguably one of the the finest pieces of production that's ever come out of Great Britain. So, yeah. um, I can't. Did yeah. you ever watch uh, Faulty Towers, the show with uh, John Cleese running? Yeah, a hotel. sort of. I mean, that was obviously that was really before my time as sure. well. But, but yeah, that I, was before I, my time as well. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I I did sort of. Yeah, I've got my my best friend in the whole world. His uh, his family's really into it. And I've been around his house a few times in our adult life and and, and watched it there. But um, I I must admit, I really, because so much of the comedy in that era is now so outdated, Mm. I I must admit, I very much enjoy the new sort of era of comedy, particularly British comedy as well. Like, you know, when you you think of uh, like Jimmy Carr, for example, Mm -hmm. and you think of James Corden, for example, these kind of... 
um, comedians, uh, and the, James Corden used to be on, on a tremendous show called Gavin and Stacey, mm -hmm. uh, which I highly recommend if anybody has the opportunity to watch it, because it is wonderful. Um, there's, there's just so much great British comedy out there at the moment as well, and, and there's an individual I'm a big fan of uh, called Russell Howard as well, and, and uh, a lot of these are, are more stand-up comedians, but sure. they have played their parts in, in little movies and whatnot as well. And, sure. Um, well, and there's, there's stuff like uh, the Shaun of the Dead and Simon oh, Pegg and that sort of series of films by that group of people, um, which are, are, are all great. I feel um, very, very British right now, can I just say, that we're talking about this and we have cups of tea in our hand as yes. well. Like, this is... Cal has made me a lovely and proper cuppa uh, with uh, what, who was the who, who was the tea it's again? PG Tips PG Tips and I, I understand there's arguments for Tetley that there's arguments for other various brands uh, but the main two rivals are, I, I would say are probably Tetley and, and PG Tips and and PG Tips has always been my favourite mm. we've even given the producer Tyson uh, a cup of tea as well and, and he looks yes. firmly satisfied as well he's so really, he's really enjoying it I think we are, we're all enjoying this tea <laughs> I don't whenever I make tea myself I feel like I'm not doing it correctly and so I feel much better now well it's it's just the thing here is that I noticed in the office that we we have these Earl Grey things which are just nowhere near the quality of, of tea that I'm used to and sure. uh, I sort of jokingly said to Chris Wright uh, a couple of months ago, God, we need some good tea in this building. You know, I could just murder a good cup of tea. And then we went to Tulsa, uh, to Tulsa, sorry, to, to Tucson for pre-season. Right. And I came back and there we had a big there box of PG, PG tips. tips. I was like, oh, great, there we go. So um, I've now become, not, not only am I a professional football commentator, my side gig is a professional tea maker. Mm. Because I seem to be doing it all the time in the office now, yeah. and I'm going finally, to be sending you orders from now on. Well, I mean, look, I mean, I, I am happy to please the palate, yeah. and 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 I understand people sometimes need this in their in their life and in their daily work routine. You need a little bit of a kick in the afternoon sometimes, yeah. and this helps. A kick in the sure. afternoon. Yeah, I, mean, <laughs> I wasn't sure that's where you were going with that, but um, yeah, the milk is really nice. I am not. I don't drink milk in my coffee, so when I make, oh, make tea, I tend sorry. not to. No, 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 no. It's excellent. I'm not lactose intolerant or anything. Um, I, I just I, I don't usually put milk in my coffee, so I don't tend to think of putting it in my tea. Mm. I also tend to make a lot of. I, at home, I have herbal tea. Uh, more than, you know, like, a, you know, sort of your herbal varieties of things like that, because I use it when I'm, you know, you get chamomile or something pleasant like that. That's very... Which which they're all nice and everything, but one of the funny quick tea story for you, my father-in-law is someone who I've now gotten into tea, <laughs> uh, or at least he, he enjoys it and, and uh, understands my affection for it. And I remember uh, him uh, telling my wife this a couple of months ago that, he went and bought some, I think it was like green tea or chamomile tea or something sure. like that, you know, thinking it was PG tips and put some milk in that Dump and started to drink it Dump and obviously quickly yeah. realized what he'd done. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so don't make that mistake at home. Yes. Don't, don't, <laughs> don't put milk in your peppermint tea. It's well, not, do, do, do if you want to, but I mean, it's I not very nice, I can tell that's, you. That's probably, it's not like peppermint ice cream. <laughs> it's, probably, it's probably not all that pleasant. So yeah, I just, I, yes, I feel very relaxed now. Good. Well, you both, both of you, uh, Stephen Tyson, you, you both looked very stressed when I came in here, and I thought, you know yeah. what, you could do with a good cup of tea, and and you know, uh, it it always relaxes me, especially now as You're well. You're so empathic; you just have a sense, <laughs> sense the slightest suffering. But I I just want well, that that's the kind of human being I am. At least I hope I am. Um, and and you know, I've been plowing through preparation today as well, and I thought to myself, one of our um, sponsorship individuals, um, Josh Givens, came up to me and, and uh, said to me, you know, are you, are you making a cup of tea anytime soon? And I thought to myself, do you know what? 
I've been looking at facts and figures and stats and, and information on players and whatnot for the last couple of hours. Yes. Yes, I am. I could do with a cup of tea, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's excellent. Um, let's talk a little bit about, uh, we got sort of a grab bag of things to talk about. Obviously, there hasn't been a Minnesota United game since our last podcast. Um, so, you know, we're going to talk about the game coming up, but we don't have one to talk about that's in the past now. Uh, we already discussed the Galaxy. So, a uh, couple, couple random things here. FC Cincinnati. Hmm. They're currently 13th in the MLS power rankings um, on MLSsoccer.com. That's a bit harsh. That's ahead of Atlanta. Okay. They're currently second in the Eastern Conference in the standings. Mm. Um, are they Are they for real? I mean, that's a silly question. It's way too early. I'm, but a lot of times <laughs> when people say, are they for real? That means, like, are they going to be a playoff team? I, I don't necessarily, necessarily want to talk about that. It's more that, to me, the thing is, A, it's going to be incredibly difficult for any team to play at Nippert because the conditions that the, the, the turf at Nippert is not great. It's very soft. It's very slow. Um, it's going to be tough for teams to get wins there. They've won on the road now. Um, and they've done it with uh, sort of, I think a real sense of who they are, which is they have veterans. Uh, they have MLS veterans who know the league, uh, who are, who are uh, good defenders. They know that they need to play defensively and then take their opportunities when they're given and not try to play above their heads. Um, is that, is that a formula they can ride to a reasonable degree of success in their first season? So first of all, what I'll say is obviously it's been an eyebrow raising start for Cincinnati. I don't think anybody thought that they would have started the way they have. However, I don't expect this to, to carry on throughout the entirety of the season. I, I think, um, their roster is is a little bit thin for the demands of, of the entirety of the season in Major League Soccer. But I think, look, and I, I say this with all due respect, they've gone to New England and, and they've won. And I know they were really shorthanded, but the revs right now psychologically and physically are all over the place. And I'm sure we'll get to we'll them, get to them yes. later on. Um, but you have to give credit to Cincinnati, credit where credit's due, because they went to the revolution um, with four or five international players away um, on international duty, obviously. And and I thought those that came in uh, did a really, really good job. I, I You know, what, what I will say is having watched the game back now, I had a, a tape session with my broadcast team yesterday and um, we noticed that the revolution had the ball in the Cincinnati half more often than not. Mm -hmm. Cincinnati, what they what they did and what they will do, I think, throughout the course of the season is they will tighten things up. They essentially play with a boatload of central midfielders. Um, their fullbacks do go forward, but not as much as, as we are used to here watching Adrian Heath's system at Minnesota United. Um, but they are very direct. They are very defensive-minded. And what they do is they hit on the counter-attack very, very well. And they've got players to do that with the likes of Kakuta Mane, who scored the first goal um, at Gillette Stadium. Uh, Roland Lamar is also very, very handy when it comes to a turn of pace as well. But if you go back and look at that game, you, you'll see all the players that they bought on as well. They were all central midfielders. Mm -hmm. um, you know, with the likes of Stanko and uh, I think it was Eric Alexander also came on as well. And I forget the other one. But they were all central midfielders. And I just think they're going to frustrate the heck out of so many teams this season where you can see them nicking a point here and there, you know. And I think it was Jamie Watson who actually predicted that FC Cincinnati would have the most ties throughout the entirety of the season. Sure. And I could actually see that with the way that they set up. But regardless of if they have their international players or not, they didn't really change their game plan going into the revolution. So 
Look, I mean, I, I think it's been I think it's been good for them, and they've got some some really handy pieces to their puzzle. But I, I just can't see how this is going to carry on throughout the entirety of the season. If I'm wrong, I'm more than happy to put my hands up. Mm-hmm. But in what is a very competitive Eastern Conference this year, I, I can't see them getting to the postseason. Yeah. You also know that a team like Atlanta has underachieved. And so, um, you know, it, things are still weird. D.C. United is not allowed a goal, you know, which is, not, I mean, I think D.C. United looks great, but... You know, there's certain things right now that have the, the, the trends have not sort of established themselves yet. I think, um, and again, you, you can only play the teams that are in front of you. Teams change over the course of a season. I think it's like, you know, that you think about, a lot of times you think about a team as the, you know, the 2017 Atlanta United, the 2018 whatever. But over the course of a season, you can only need to look at D.C. United last year, right? Um, incredible second half after, after an abysmal first half. Montreal Impact also had some of that mm. going on with them as well. Um Teams change. I think I have to say, I don't know if this might count as a hot take. I might have to use the hot take drop here. So um, here we go. So hot right now. I think that the Portland Timbers at this moment in time are one of the worst teams in MLS. Wow. At this moment, um, by which I mean, you know, without, you know, Diego Chara, who Hold up. Uh, mm-hmm. is a fantastic holy midfielder. They just... Um, and that's not to say that they're not going to be in the mix going forward later on in the season. Um, but they have a bunch of pieces who have gotten older. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have lost a bunch of, of, of pieces who, who could be important over the course of several years here. Um, they have not really found the next thing to be. Uh, they are, are a very good team in the way they are, but you look at a team like Sporting Kansas City where they're kind of constantly moving in. You know, they have guys like Zussi who, who have been there f- for a long time, but, like, mm-hmm. they're moving new guys in. They're changing things up. They're finding new pieces. They're sort of refreshing from that angle. I feel like maybe the Timbers have not done enough of that currently. Yeah, look, you won't find an argument from me, Steve. I, I said at the start of the season I thought the Timbers had gotten a year older and not really addressed the situation that they've gotten themselves into. Look, I love Diego Valeri. He's, he's arguably oh, been he's the, the, one of the best number 10s this league has ever had. And, and when he came to Portland all those years ago, nobody really knew who he was. He, he couldn't really get into the first team in Almeria. Um, struggled slightly at FC Porto as well, um, but was was a, a good player for Lanús. Um, and and he, he he's obviously done very, very well indeed. And um, <laughs> But as you say, he's he's now, what, 33? Charles 34. Um, the spine of their team is much older. Obviously, Liam Ridgewell would have been 34, 35 this year. He's now gone. He's playing for Hull City in the English Championship. Mm-hmm. Um, but Sporting Kansas City are a completely, completely in, in a completely different realm. Vermees, uh, I mean, look, I, I, I have <laughs> complimented Vermees. You seem to like Peter Vermees. He's, he's a, a, a very, <laughs> very astute coach and deserves all the credit that he will inevitably get. And in my opinion, I like Greg Berhalter, but in my opinion, Vermees would have been the answer for the national team. But anyway, that's another debate for another day. So how how bad do you think Portland are then? I mean, are, are we talking about in terms of San Jose bad? Are, are, are we thinking that there's an opportunity for them to, to turn this around with the current roster they have? Or, or have they got to go and, and add some pieces? I think that I wouldn't be shocked to see them try to add something. I mean, obviously... Um, Abobasi has is is promising. Um, ha- hasn't really shown it so much so far this season. But uh, again, it, it, guys like Chara and Valeri, you know, th- as they they're getting older, they can still give it to you, but just might be a little bit more limited. Um, I, like I said, I think they can be better. I think they have a, an an easier path to being good than San Jose does, for example. But I would sort of, in terms of performance right now, 
I think they're looking like one of those teams like San Jose. So, um, you know, I I mean, one of the nice things is that there are these opportunities, these transfer windows that open up over the course of the season and, and, and things can change and, and players can come in, you know, we'll, we'll get to talking about some of that um, coming up here. You know, I, I wouldn't count them out. I think it's also, you, obviously you, you can't discount the fact that they're playing their first 12 games on the road, mm-hmm. which is very difficult. And if they had started brightly, um, you know, maybe they weather that storm. They started badly. It is very tough to, find your feet, I think, without a home game to kind of get you back on that level and sort of feel like, okay, we're comfortable again. They have to keep finding, they're going to have to find that resolve Mm. on the road, which is very difficult to do. I mean, you could see, I mean, again, I said DC United earlier, they, they played a whole bunch of games on the road. Uh, They, they went back and opened Audi field and they looked terrific after getting Rooney. Now, that was two things. They added, they added Rooney (laughs) and you know, they got to play at their, at their home field. So if Portland maybe adds a piece uh, at this point, that could be great. And then they get, they're going to have a chunk of games at home toward the end of the season. So again, I wouldn't, I'm not, I'm not counting them out. Certainly at this point, Uh, I just think right now it's going to be very difficult for them for the next couple months. I think they will be towards the end of the season. I think they will be in and around that last playoff spot. Mm -hmm. Um, And as you said, because towards the latter stages of this season, they have a whole host of games in a row at home. We already know what the atmosphere is like at Providence park, but <laughs> but having even more people on top of that and having the decibels go even louder, that that's obviously going to be an advantage for them yeah. um, week after week after week. So um, let, let's wait and see. Maybe they copy their noisy neighbors in, in Seattle Sounders and the fact that they they've started poorly and then <laughs> right. towards the end of the season they, they sort of the Seattle pattern, season. which has not been the Seattle pattern this season. This is nothing I want to talk about. Which is yeah. sort of like I, I feel like the the class of the league you're looking at right now is is Seattle. Uh, DC United and probably LAFC. I yeah. think of it sort of like a, t- a top three right now. Obviously, you know, Sporting Kansas City is probably just below that. You know, there's there's a couple teams floating around in there below that that tier. Um, could get into that tier. Do you do you sort of see that sticking? Do you think DC United's? I mean, they've obviously had a tremendous run to start. Seattle has looked uh, terrific as well. Do you see those three teams as sort of right now the ones that are vying for that 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 those top spots? I could certainly see them towards the upper echelons of their respective conferences. Yeah, absolutely. I'm not convinced. Maybe LA's... Maybe in the West, yes. I could probably see it in the West. Sure. But in the East, I'm not so sure. Um, the, the, the East is is all over the place at the moment. I mean, I'm intrigued to see what happens with uh, Pozuelo going into Toronto FC. Yes. He's meant to be the, the new Sebastian Jovinko replacement. And if he's half as good as what Jovinko was, then then they've got themselves one heck of a player. Uh, I think people need to watch out for Montreal Impact as well. I think Rene Gald has got a little bit of um, a little bit of a plan up his sleeve. How good um, is Piatti, by the way? Piatti's awesome. But again, see, Piatti is, is also 33-34 as well. Yeah, yeah, and he's out of contract next year, I believe. Uh, correct, so, yes. And, and this will more than likely be his last year in the league. I think his plans yeah. are to go back to Argentina yeah. and finish his career there. there. They, were, they were talking on Extra Time Soccer, though. I was listening to, I think, the end of last week's episode, and talking about just the fact of how underrated Piatti is uh, overall in the league, I think, in a lot of ways, because when you talk about the idea of an MVP and not just the best player on the best team or something like that, but the team that makes the greatest difference, the, the player that makes the greatest difference to the team he's on, mm. I feel like Piatti's got to be up there for, for Montreal because without him, like, I mean, Tidera is good, but like, you know, without Piatti, like he's kind of the straw that stirs the drink there. And so yep. I, in terms of a, a single player's importance to his whole team, like he's, he's huge. Um, absolutely. Um, but back to, to DC, I, I, I think they'll be in and around the playoffs. No doubt. I just, I'm just not convinced they'll be towards the, the top of the Eastern conference. I think they'll be, you know, fourth, fifth, something sure. along those lines. Again, happy to be wrong. Um, 
But the reason I say this is because I'm not convinced they're going to be able to keep hold of Luciano Acosta. Because again, he's drawing right. interest from Europe. He was almost gone. He, he nearly went to Paris Saint-Germain. Um, I believe that they'll go back in for him at some stage. There's also one or two whispers. Actually, I think MLSsoccer.com did something on it the other day or over the weekend or something. They, somebody was suggesting, I can't remember if it was them or somebody else had heard this from, but, but Leon were apparently very interested in him as well. There's also, um, who was it? MLSsoccer.com said uh, it was Fenerbahce who were looking oh, okay. at him in, in Turkey. So I'm, I'm just not, I'm not convinced that Acosta will, will stick around. Sure. And obviously that makes things a little more difficult for them. You know, the, the wide players are, are good as well. I like Paul Ariola. He seems to be now settled in DC. Mm-hmm. Um, but it all, all depends on if Rooney can, can get this service. And, and if Acosta goes, I'm not sure the service will, will, yeah. will be as, um, as, as obvious as it has been over the, the last year or so for him. So we'll, we'll wait and see. But uh, I, I love um, Kanaus in the center of the midfield. I think he's one of the most energetic uh, holding midfielders I've, I've ever seen in Major League Soccer, and, and hold up, obviously. Yep. Um, so we'll see. Again, they've got some good pieces. I like Hara, the the right backer they brought in as well mm-hmm. from Argentina. Again, good team, but I I I don't see them towards the top of the Eastern Conference this year. Yeah, it's funny because I it's one of those it's one of those things where I don't I don't believe in them as much because they have shut out every team. In some ways, like it feels like more fluky, you know, huh. to have to have started with, I don't know why. Maybe that's maybe that's maybe that's ridiculous. Like to me, it's like Seattle feels more solid to me. I, I agree with that. They, even though they have, you know, they have conceded goals, whereas DC and I have not conceded any. No, and I, you know, I don't know. It's just it's one of those things that maybe it's just because it feels like the way like Atlanta has has been disappointing. I as much as I'm sort of out on them, like for fantasy, I talked about this with Jamie yesterday in Fantasy 15. That you know, like I just can't rely on anybody from Atlanta to produce week to week, I still think Atlanta is going to be okay because it feels like a fluke. I still mm. feel like DC United feels like a fluke almost because of the fact that they have not allowed any goals. Well, I just think as well, the Sounders are, that uh, they have solidified themselves magnificently as well because let's be honest, everybody sort of said, right, they've, they've lost Ozzy Alonso. So we don't know what their central midfield situation is going to be like. Now the fact that they've they've got uh, Svensson and Roldan in the center of the park, they've both been magnificent so far. Yeah. Um, They've obviously had uh, Jordan Morris returning as well, who, who has looked very, very good. Absolutely. Rui Diaz, if he continues to get service, will be no problem as well. Martinez has played his part. Um, Lodero, I'm a big fan of as well. Yeah. But the Sounders have always been good going forward. That's never really been their issue. Yeah. Defensively, over the years, that they've they've been okay, but it's it's never really been their their main forte. It's always been a, they've always identified themselves by playing lovely attacking football and. Um, I, but I, I still think they'll they'll be good this year. Obviously, they've they've made a very very good start as you as you said. Uh, I wonder if this is the the Seattle Sounders that many of us have, have waited to to see. I, I know they won MLS Cup several years ago, but you know again that that came through a, a late season surge. You know, I wonder if this is the first real season where we see a Sounders dominance throughout Major League Soccer. Right, where you're not thinking that when this when Seattle has their their big lift in the second half, you're like, if you just played this way the whole time, yeah, <laughs> right, yeah, um, yeah. The, I mean, and having Rui Diaz have a whole off season, I mean, it's sort of similar to the Quintero situation where he came in partway through the season, you know, and so you forget that. Um, 
that, you know, it means something to have an entire preseason under your belt and, mm. and that that's going to help you out. And that I think is, it just seems like his, his role is crystallizing a little bit because he's obviously not like, you know, a towering striker who's going to finish things in, in front of goal. He's got a different kind of approach, you know, and I think that that's fitting better into the team. Yeah. And if you think about the, the back line as well, just, just going back to them defensively as well, you know, Leah Dama, I think I've been really, really impressed with him. Yeah. He, um, and Brad Smith too. Yeah, I think he's a really, really good fullback. Um, Nuhu Tolo, the left back, is is a beast beyond belief as well. Uh, I'll be surprised if he if if he hones his his technical ability and he actually um, develops in in that aspect of his game. Then I think he'll he'll be off to Europe at some stage. You know, he's, he's yeah. a really really good prospect. Um, Kim Kihi has, has done well so far as well, and and Chad Marshall for me is the man who leads that ship. He's the commander-in-chief there, you know, mm. and Stefan Fry is a good goalkeeper as well. So yeah. I think the Sounders are probably about as solid as they've they've been for some time. You know, if you think about the days when when they had Dempsey and, and Oberfemi Martins up front, you know, there was an element of, of real energy and excitement about yeah. them. But they were always slightly exposed because they pressed forward so highly, sure. you know, and Ozzy Alonso at times did just about everything he could, but you can't do it all alone. Yeah. Um, so I, I wonder now, is is this one of the most solidified sounders we've seen in Major League Soccer? Yeah, I feel like that 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 uh, Dempsey-Martins, uh, like, team is sort of like a cult favorite for a yeah. lot of soccer fans. Like, I feel like I've talked to a lot of uh, you know, fans of, of Minnesota United who talk about how that is how they really got into MLS mm. is seeing that, that, you know, it's sort of like the, it was so, it was so fun and fast and, and, and flowing. And that sort of was a fan that that was sort of a team that built fans, which is kind of fun. So yeah, it, it, it was, it was a joy to watch. It really, really was. And, and they had a couple of little players behind them as well, who always used to sort of feed them the ball and whatnot. And but Dempsey, a lot of the times Dempsey would just do it on his own as well and, <laughs> and smash a free kick in from 25 yards. And that was such an important signing for the league as well at that stage when he came in, you know, yeah. I remember, seeing that announcement and, and thinking to myself, you know, this is a guy who the season before had scored 17 goals in the Premier League. And, and I remember actually um, when all the rumours were starting, uh, we were on our way, I say we as in Kansas City, we're, we're on our mm -hmm. way somewhere. Uh, I can't remember where. There were reports that he, um, in the summer, he was in America. He, he was in an airport somewhere. It's like, oh, was he going to come and sign for an MLS team? And then all, all the, the people who... who quite frankly, didn't think that was going to happen. We're very quick to push that aside and say, no, he's joining uh, Everton on their pre-season trip. They're, they're doing a tour in America. Sure. Then there was um, rumours of him joining Aston Villa as well and, and a couple of Premier League teams at that stage. And then all of a sudden, he turns about Seattle Sounders. And, and I just thought that was such a head-turner for the league at that point as well. It was 2013, I believe. And, and it was um, a really important signing for this league at that stage. And then, as, as, as we said, then he was accompanied by Obafemi Martins and... Um, mm -hmm. You know, thus, uh, thus we had one of the most lethal <laughs> striking partnerships the league has ever seen. Yeah, let's uh, let's move on to this weekend's game against mm -hmm. the New England Revolution. We touched on the Revs a little bit before. They they look like a mess. Um, basically, is is what I have to say. I uh, am a little. I, I almost found myself wishing that they had handled their business against FC Cincinnati um, because I'm a little concerned about playing a team that is really having a fire lit under it. Um, apparently there's been a, a closed door meeting uh, and there's a lot of issues with, with them. You sort of touched on both tactically and psychologically and just sort of, you know, w what's your perception of, of, of the struggles that they've been going through? First of all, Steve, I absolutely agree wholeheartedly, 100%. Absolutely. Yes. With everything that Brad Friedel has come out and said to the press. And if you haven't seen it, 
you, you, you must go on the Revolution website and, and have a look and see what he said because it was no holds barred, really. Um, you know, essentially he came out and, and, and said that his players weren't prepared from the, from the very first minutes and everything that they did in the field was nothing that they did during the week, during training. But more, more interestingly, and this is the issue that I really agree with now, is that he said he doesn't feel as though, at least it was insinuated, that there wasn't enough pressure on individuals, on his team, but not only on his team, but throughout Major League Soccer as well. And, and this this will, maybe this is something else we, we discuss at another stage, Steve, because this is something that I think we really need to figure out in this league. I, I still am a a big believer that I think promotion relegation should come at some stage. But right now, I genuinely think it would hurt the league. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean that we can't figure out something where if you finish bottom of the West or bottom of the East, you are severely punished. Now, I don't know what that is. Maybe it's a points deduction moving into next season. Um, you know, you take the first round draft pick away with that as well. I, you know, it, it has to be a slew of, of different things, really. And, and um, it, it's certainly an issue that I think we need to address at some stage. Anyway, in terms of the revolution themselves, it has been a disastrous start. Mm -hmm. And I feel really sorry for Brad Friedel because you can tell that he's so frustrated right now. And our very own Kindred East St. Auburn knows him very well from, from their days working together at Fox. And... Um, I, she she was saying that he's he's obviously not very happy right now at the moment, and he's he's had a lot to deal with since um since he became the manager of that club. You know, if you remember this time last year, the whole Lee Wynn situation as well, and yep. and him having to identify um that situation and and cover that up well and 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 address it as best as he could. But I'm just looking at the the starting lineup for the game against uh, Cincinnati, Stephen. You know, it, it doesn't exactly fill me with excitement. So I'll, I'll go through it. It's Brad Knighton in goal. The back line of Bay, Delameo, Mancien and Castillo um, in the back. Luis Caicedo, Zahibo and Gil in midfield. The forward three are Pania, Fagundes and Bunbury. It's okay. It's it's not bad. I like Zahibo as a central midfielder, as a holding midfielder. I, I think he was poor against Cincinnati. Mm -hmm. uh, Carlos Hill... Is somebody who I know after watching him at Aston Villa. Uh, Brad Friedel played with him at Aston Villa, hence why he's with the Revolution now on a, on a DP contract. Uh, Pania has shown flashes. Uh, Fagundes, I'm a, a big fan of. Uh, last year was a really good year for him. I think it was. I think he scored uh, was it 11 goals or so last year. It was towards his personal best. Mm -hmm. uh, and Teal Bunbury, I'm a big fan of as well. You know, he's he's a no nonsense centre forward who, who will press. Um, but the, the thing is, is, is that Brad Friedel only figured out last year that Bunbury's actually a centre forward. Right. And, and I say, you know, Friedel figured this out because for the last couple of years, he's been playing as a wide player. Mm -hmm. Peter Vermees always played Bunbury as a centre forward. And until Bunbury scored 11 goals last year, that was his best return in a single season. So look, I mean, they're, they're a good team. Um, I'll, I'll be completely honest. I'm not a massive fan of, of Mancien at centre-back. 31-year-old English centre-back who, who I saw come through the Youth Academy at Chelsea. Um, and then he went uh, and played in a couple of different places, but he was most recently in Nottingham Forest in England. And when I saw the Revs had signed him, I thought to myself, yeah, that's a good signing. But when I saw how much he was earning, now I don't know if this is still the case, but at the time, he was the highest-paid defender in the league. Mm -hmm. And he's nowhere near yeah, worth that yeah, salary. Right. <laughs> he's not been great so far. So, yeah. um, look, in my opinion, 
the revs are there for the taking. And I think, quite frankly, with the way the revs have started and with the expectation that this franchise has got upon itself this season with Allianz Field opening and the new players, it'll be disappointing if Minnesota United don't go there and get a positive result. Yeah. I mean, they should they should win, I think. But I think that it, one of the things that comes with enhanced expectations is is that if they if they don't win it's bad you know like they need to go in there and and take this game by the scruff of the throat and like that can't they can't let i mean i think it's hopefully it's encouraging i'm encouraged by the fact that they they they've figured out the galaxy a little bit in the second half of that mm. game right um but they didn't come out with enough intensity uh it looked and i think the the players felt like that too i was talking to to boxy today and he felt like you know they came out of the first they basically got what they wanted against the white caps and, and the quakes. Right. And then also in their couple preseason games, they've been like, this is our style. This is what we do. We're going to, we're going to get possession. We're going to cycle it around. We're going to find, we're going to find the gaps and we're going to go, we're going to go into those gaps. Those teams, let them do that to them. Um, the galaxy did not let that happen. And mm-hmm. then when the galaxy would not let it happen, they didn't, they weren't able to respond immediately with, with energy and kind. So they certainly can't go into the revs, especially after a week when the revs are going to have an earful. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the revs players yeah. are going to have an earful and simply think that they'll be able to, you know, outpossess them. And that'll, that, that'll be enough. Like they're going to have to play with some serious energy and intensity, I think, and, 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 and take the game, especially facing a Red Bulls team the week after who yeah. have not looked as dominant at home as they traditionally have. So no, but I think the Red Bulls will, will find their feet eventually. You know, they, they've always done really well at Red Bull arena, but uh, two things more on, on the revs. I think if you look at their coming fixture lists, they are away at Columbus crew, which is a difficult task at the moment, but also then, they host Atlanta United and the Red Bulls. So they'll be looking at this game thinking, oh, we, sh- we should probably we really win this, this because yeah. this is going to be a tough stretch now as well, you know? And yeah. as I said, going to the crew is not easy right now because of the way Caleb Porter's got them playing. But hosting Atlanta, hosting the Red Bulls, that, that's never an easy task. So um, that, that that's going to be really, really interesting to see how they do there. Um, but also the, the second thing for me as well, Steve, is that Adrian Heath... And, and Mark Watson, Ian Fuller, John Pascarella all, all said to us after the Galaxy game that they felt as though in the first half, the two central midfielders for Minnesota struggled against the three of LA Galaxy. Right. The Revs play with the three central midfielders. Against Cincinnati, they went with Sahibo, Caicedo and Hill. They've also got uh, Scott Caldwell who could drop in there as well amongst a whole host of others. So I wonder if if... Look, we, we, we know the coaching staff will have learned their lesson there. And, and I, I'm sure, you know, I, I remember wandering around the hotel in Los Angeles after the game and seeing Ozzy Alonso with a face like thunder. You know, he wasn't happy at all. Um, <laughs> so I wonder if, if that's if that's something that they really, really take into account. You know, that going up against a three-man uh, uh, central midfield like they will do this weekend again, I wonder if they'll... They'll really notify the players about that and and, and how yeah. to to deal with that. You yeah. Know? Well, they, and they eventually dealt with it against the Galaxy by effectively shifting to a four three three, right? Um, that was sort of eventually, the, that yeah. Was the yeah, move yeah. That eventually went. So, I mean, I, Adrian has never struck me as somebody who's just going to change something because it worked this one time against this one particular thing. I would not expect him to start 
in a four three three or anything mm. like that. But you know, maybe they know now that they know they have that in the back pocket and it had some success against the Galaxy. We might also see some different starters. I mean, there's some guys getting healthy yeah. now. You know, Angelo is 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 healthier. Ethan is Ethan Finlay is getting closer to. I mean, he's played obviously. So mm. um, these are options. You know, uh, Romario Obara, I think maybe picked up a little knock. Uh, yeah, we've not heard his, anything yet, have we? We don't. I mean, really he's not back yet, so yeah, um, we're not sure where he is. But the, the other one, I mean, not, he's we know. He's not missing. No. We just don't know where his health is. <laughs> Sorry. I made that sound like we have lost track of Romario. I didn't want to say, like, you know where Romario is, Steve? I didn't want to say anything. But, yeah, uh, I don't know. He's right behind me, isn't he? Um, <laughs> the one player who I would expect to see much more of, um, particularly if his week carries on, we were recording this on, on the, the Tuesday, and, and I thought today in training, uh, Abu Dhanladi was, was yeah. spectacular again. And, and obviously he, he injected an element of energy for the game in the Galaxy, I, I still don't think he was particularly great, but he added something that was missing. So it wouldn't surprise me if we see him amongst one or two new starters this coming weekend. Yeah. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the home opener, which is coming up. Mm, it's on April 13th. Um, I, it's nice that I've, I feel like I've gotten a little more time at Allianz Field. Uh, it's, I feel like I've seen it. I've seen it since it's been a hole in the ground. <laughs> a little more time, by the way. I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> should be paying rent there now, shouldn't yeah, I know. we? <laughs> um, you know, I I remember when it was a hole in the ground. I I mean, I remember when it was full of buses because I remember that those days. I remember when it was a hole in the ground. I remember when it was just concrete pilings. Uh, I've seen it uh, finished with nothing inside it. I've fi- I've seen it empty but finished with furnishings. And now after this past weekend, I've seen it with people in it, which is very exciting. A little sad because I feel like it's you know we're giving it out to the world now. It's <laughs> not it's not just ours anymore, uh, which is great. It's the way it should be. Uh, it's going to be an amazing event. Uh, have you had any further feelings of, of Allianz Field as you've gotten to spend a little more time in and around it and getting a little more familiar? Yeah, so this past weekend, I spent Friday, Saturday, and Sunday there doing various events, welcoming season ticket members and whatnot, and um, I, I had no problem with it. You know, someone said to me, oh, what are you going to do with your off weekend? And I said, well, I'm going to spend it at Allianz Field, yeah. because why not? You know, um, <laughs> yeah. been asked to do various events there. I said, absolutely no problem. Um, so, yeah, I've um, I've now, I feel as though, look, I mean, there's going to be throughout the time that we're there, we're going to find little nooks and, and crannies that we we didn't know that existed. We're going to get lost. We will. I did get into a stairwell that I had to go outside. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, but happened that, to me in Kansas happen. City also. So, yeah, look, know. I mean, it, it'll happen, but... Yeah. Um, I feel as though I've got a good grasp of, of just about everything in the stadium now. And and um, I think I said this to you before. I Previously, I didn't want to go in the stadium until opening day because yeah. I wanted to react organically. Well, that went completely out the window <laughs> over the last few days because once I'd been in it properly, I wanted to go in the next day and the next day and the yeah. next day. And, and as a commentator, I don't think it's a bad thing. And I, and I try and do this for all the away stadiums we go to. I try and at least get outside into sort of where at least a certain section of fans will, will be seeing things because mm-hmm. if there's a situation that happens from a certain vantage point, I can maybe as a commentator say, oh, actually, I'm not sure they'll be able to see it from this particular angle or, or whatnot, you know. Sure. So I've I've done the lap uh, several times now of Allianz Field. Yeah. Um, stood on the Wonderwall, um, gone to each stand, gone to the brew hall and checked it out, you know, and, and, and seen the the field club, the stadium club, and, and, and seen every level and, and seen the, the suite level and, and every premium and prestigious area that's possible, you know, I've gone and seen now. And, and it's it's just absolutely it's glorious. Is, I mean, it's it's all over the stadium. 
it, are great seats. You know, yeah. it's really one of those things where it's it's like the it's so close. I mean, there's so many stadiums you go into. Um, you know, TCF was a great home for us for a couple of years. You know, yep. but when you went, I remember. What, I think it was <laughs> it was actually for the the inaugural. Uh, game there, uh, the snow, the snow opener. And I was on the top. I, you know, I was like, had to go all around the far end of it. And I was like at the top of the top deck. And I was like, I'm on the moon. Like <laughs> I am in another zip code. Yeah. And that is not the way it feels at all at Allianz Field. Like at the, the tops of sections, you still are like, this is a great view. Like it's a fantastic, it's a fantastic view. And there's a lot of different views that give you a lot of different feels. The, I think the, the sort of end line that's opposite the supporters uh, where the roof deck is over the brew yep. hall and stuff like that. You did the chance to see the game with the supporters directly behind the game is an interesting, is an interesting thing. You know, th there's a lot of different cool areas to check out the game from. So, yeah, it's, it's, um, it's going to be glorious. And uh, I think the best way to describe it from what I'm expecting on a match day is, is intimate and intimidating. Yeah. Um, because I think, you know the the fans on Sunday when when there was an event there, they all went into the Wonderwall and and made some noise. It is loud, and they made some noise. Be, it was like a quarter full, and it yes. was really loud. And, and, and so I think that's really going to be uh, something to behold, and it really is going to become a Minnesotan fortress. You yeah. know, I I have no doubt in that whatsoever. But also then at the other end of the stadium, when you go and 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 see. The brew hall, and as you mentioned, the the I love that roof deck. That yeah. roof deck is absolutely glorious. Yeah. If you have a chance, you must go. And that's um, open for people. People can go up there. Yeah, absolutely. And, and yeah, get a drink anytime so. during the week and whatnot. Yeah, it's 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 wonderful. And um, you know, if, if I wasn't the if I wasn't the commentator, that's what I'd be spending <laughs> my time is on that roof deck. You know, and yeah, yeah. Um, no, it's it, it's glorious. It, it it absolutely is the epitome of perfection in my my opinion, and and it's. Again, I've said this several times, Steve. I'm, I'm very fortunate. I've been to a lot of stadiums around the world, and, and, and this will be one of the best I've ever seen. And um, my vantage point, the, the commentary gantry, the, the booth will, will be stunning as well. And um, I'm just, I just can't wait. We're ready now, aren't we? You know, yeah. we've had these events and everything. We've been talking about the stadium for so long now. Everyone's just ready now. And I know the fans. I spoke to a couple of them on Sunday. That they are more than ready. You yeah. know, some of them have been waiting. You know, some of them 50 years for, for <laughs> an arena like this. So it's. Yeah. Um, it, it's really, really exciting, and, and it was uh, such a pleasure, such an honor to to be in that stadium over the past couple of days and meet so many lovely people as well, and um, I quite simply can't wait for April 13th. Yeah. my uh, The pro tip I wanted to throw out here, which is one of the things that always makes me nervous going to games, um, and I don't mean just you know soccer games or anything like that, is, is getting there and <laughs> the transportation element of, of things like that. When I used mm. to go to Wolves games, I was like, well, this is my lot. This is where I'm going to park when I go to a Wolves game. And I don't know if it was the best deal. I don't know if it was the best distance. I didn't know any of that stuff. I was just like, I don't want to leave anything to chance. Like, sure. this is where I'm going to go, you know? So, uh, A, it's very important to have a plan <laughs> before you go. And this is the cool thing about Allianz Field, I think one of the cool things, is that really public transportation is going to be the move uh, for getting to and from Allianz Field, which mm. is which is a terrific thing. It's right on the green line, which is I used to live on University and 280, basically. Oh, perfect. And I wanted to, this was before the green line came in, and I wanted to get on the, the light rail and go to my job in downtown St. Paul when I worked there. But I never got the chance to because I, I had to move before it was finished. But the fact that you can, you know, if you're in downtown Minneapolis or you're in downtown St. Paul or anywhere thereabouts, if you can get to that light rail, it takes you right in front of the stadium. And then if you're north or south, there's buses going up and down Snelling Ave, including mm. rapid transit buses, which, you know, are like super expresses. I mean, so it's just 
it's going to be so easy to get back and forth that way. And I'm sort of looking forward to that. Like, I, I feel like even I'm going to be doing that as an <laughs> option. Like, you know, drive down someplace, uh, get a ride. I could take a bus down to the light rail or, you know, get a ride down to the light rail in downtown yeah. Minneapolis. I'm in Northeast. So go down to downtown Minneapolis and get on the light rail and just ride in comfort <laughs> all yeah. the way to the doorstep of Allianz Field. So uh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, um, what I will say to, to fans is I, I would always recommend get there early because, again, I'll, you know, <laughs> I feel like I don't really have to say that because people will be wanting to go and see I it love, anyway. I but. love getting there early. Get, it, get there early, like air, air fl flights, airports, anything. I Like, I, wa I want to be there early, and then we're going to have stuff for you. Like, the home opener, there's going to oh. be events out in front on the north yep. side of, of the stadium, uh, the Target Bullseye Fan Zone. Yep. Uh, there's going to be food trucks. Uh Lots of good stuff to do. Uh, the gates are opening early, 1.30, uh, mm -hmm. a little earlier than they normally would. So, But, you know, the stuff starts at noon uh, for a game that's at 4, so there's plenty of stuff to do. It's going to be a spectacle, isn't it? It's going to be really, really yeah. good. But but even moving forward, you know, regardless of it, if it's opening day or not, I would always say just get there early because, yeah. you know, you can walk around the stadium no problem at all. And going into the brew hall is something I would absolutely recommend before, you know, and we, we will have... You know, depending on, on the time of the game, we, we will have all sorts of soccer, all sorts of sports on there yeah. as well. So, you know, hang out, have a few beers before the game and whatnot, you know, yeah. and, and no problem. I mean, Steve, I, I'm, I'm going to be getting the light rail. I live downtown Minneapolis. Yeah, it's and perfect. and it's perfect. I, I did it when our games were at TCF Bank Stadium. Mm -hmm. uh, and I plan to do the same here because, and, and as well, because I, I get to the stadium at a specific time as well. And during my journey to home games over the last two years, has been the time where the first few sprinklings of Loons fans would start to appear. Mm -hmm. And I would just sit quietly on the, the light rail and just listen to conversations yeah. <laughs> and hear their side of things and, and, yeah. and what their thoughts were. You know, like, oh, what's Adrian going to do with the team today? You know, um, who's going to start up front? You know, God, I wonder how we're going to be able to counteract this. You know, and I, I really, that, that always helped my mindset get ready for, for the game as well. Yeah. You know, it, it's something that I... I did in Europe as well, was always, you know, for the most part, get public transport. If you, if you can, get the train up and down the country and, and listen to fans and everything. So, again, that's something I'm going to be doing heading over to Allianz Field. And, again, it's it's an experience I really can't wait for. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I have to take a minute to compliment and and shout out our fans, I think, from the, uh, the event that was on Sunday. Mm. Again, just overhearing people talk about stuff, it is amazing how well-informed <laughs> our fans actually are about a ton of stuff. And, you know, I'm just sitting there and I was listening to two guys talking about the stadium, comparing it to other stadiums. And they were saying, you know, one guy was saying, well, it's sort of like uh, Children's Mercy Park in Kansas City, except it's a little more vertical. It's a, it's, it's a little more enclosed. And the guy's like, well, it's the same, you know, it's the same architecture firm. It's the, well, <laughs> sure. It's like it's the same, same designer. And I'm just like, you guys, you guys really know yourself. <laughs> it gets, <laughs> it's great. Uh, so, you know. Yeah, I'm, I'm kissing your butts, but seriously, it's fantastic to just walk around sort of incognito and just hear people talking about talking about Minnesota United. So. Yeah, it, it is. And, and I remember um, one quick story before we go. I remember um, meeting my wife who uh, came to the Brew Hall opening on the Friday and seeing a couple of fans walk in in front of her and their jaws just dropped when <laughs> yeah. they came in. And I thought to myself, all the struggles and everything that everyone has gone through regardless if you've been a fan for the last two years or the last 50 years, that moment there was worth it. Yeah. Everything was worth it because yeah. the so I saw grown men in tears, <laughs> you know, and, and, and it just, I had to fight back some of the tears, you know, uh, to see, <laughs> seeing how much it means to people, you yeah. know, to have a home. And that's what it's going to be now, Steve, is it's going to be a home. Yeah. And, and it's great to have this identity 
not only in Minnesota, but around the world of, of world football now. People, I said this the other day, there's only one stadium that people are talking about around the world right now, and, and it's Allianz Field. And yeah. it, it's amazing to think that that's happening and it's it's ours. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's it's crazy to think about that way. But I, I will never forget seeing that family's jaws drop when yeah. they walked into the stadium for the first time. And I thought to myself, this is worth it. Yeah. This is awesome. Yeah, it's going to be great. Well, thanks for joining us for the 50th. Sound oh, of the Loons podcast. Right, yeah. we, you know, I didn't, I didn't bring cake. Uh, Tyson had some cupcakes. Yeah. And you've not shared it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Unbelievable. Tyson is inviting Cal over for cupcakes. What a disgrace. This, so. I know. Can't believe it. Uh, Minnesota United's next game is on Saturday, March 30th, against the New England Revolution at 1 p.m. Central Time. You can watch that game on Fox Sports North Plus and listen on Score North. There is a watch party at Brit's uh, mm. Pub in downtown Minneapolis for that. Be sure to leave us a nice review on iTunes or at the very least a five-star rating and follow the team on Twitter at MNUFC. You can follow Cal at CalWilliams.com and me at Steve Entris. And remember, there's only one person in this whole world like you, and people can like you exactly as you are.